Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm just seeing apparently. So the legislature, you know, in session, debating some stuff, and apparently state representative. Or is she a senator? Becky Carney? Um Apparently is arguing that the Mecklenburg Sheriff's Office is too short-staffed to cooperate with ICE. Which, no, I thought the uh, Sheriff's Office was short-staffed because the, yeah, because the Sheriff is terrible. I thought that was, I kid, but not really. Uh, Welcome to the program, News Talk 1110-993-WBT and third hour of the Pete Callender Show here underway. I'm Pete, and you can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Funny how that works. Also, the phone number, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, remember, get the podcast. It's totally free. comes right to your smartphone or tablet, basically at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, or thereabouts. And, um, yeah, so the, the I don't know what they're debating in the legislature, but I just got a message about that, and I'm, yeah. He wasn't cooperating with ICE before everybody started quitting on him. I don't get it. Anyway, uh, let me take a... Let's take a walk across the street. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Johnny Jennings. He put out a YouTube video late yesterday over the bond amount that uh, Todrick McFadden, as far as I know, no relation to the sheriff that can't keep employees, but um, Todrick McFadden is, um, is charged with shooting a cop and he bonded out. And the chief is not happy. Put out this video. Let's uh, let's take a listen. As all of you are aware, in a six-day time frame, we've had three incidents where officers were shot at by suspects. When I rolled up on the scene yesterday morning and I saw our detectives and our officers, crime scene search, and also the work that was done in the lab subsequently when the evidence was gathered, I couldn't have been more proud of what I saw. As we developed the information through the night, we were able to make probable cause to arrest Todrick McFadden and charge him with two counts of attempted murder on a law enforcement officer, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon on a law enforcement officer, and one count of shooting into an occupied property. And when I woke up this morning, I was astonished to see the bond results for Todrick McFadden. He received a total of $170,000 bond for two counts of attempted murder on a law enforcement officer, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon on a law enforcement officer, and one count of shooting into occupied property. The shooting into occupied property received a $10,000 bond. The assault with a deadly weapon on law enforcement officer received $30,000 bond each for a total of 60,000. And even more devastating was the attempted murder, two counts on a law enforcement officer received $50,000 bond apiece, which all equals out to $170,000. So if I'm correct, paying 10% of that bond to be released on the streets equates to $17,000. 
So something's definitely wrong with the system. And I'm committed to put in the work to do everything that I can on my part to fix this. You know, $17,000 to be released to get out of jail after attempting to murder someone, after shooting someone and shooting into occupied property, not just on a law enforcement officer, for any one of our citizens, to me, is absolutely unacceptable. Now, I may be missing something, but your lives are worth a whole lot more than $17,000 to let someone back out on the streets. So I'm going to do everything that I can to continue these discussions with the magistrate's office and to ensure that this thing does not happen again. I want everyone to know and be certain that I stand with you. I feel what you feel when you see these things come out. And I have a platform to at least try and address it. And I commit to you that I will continue to do that. In the meantime, everyone stay safe, be diligent, have each other's back, and continue to do the great work that you do here in Charlotte. We took an oath to protect and serve for this great city. We'll continue to do that despite the adversities we might see and we might face. Thank you for everything that you do every single day. All right, so that was uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Chief Johnny Jennings putting out a YouTube video to his uh, to his officers. Now, one of the problems with this is that you get people who get charged, they get brought before magistrates, right, who set the bonds. Uh, and they're generally looking, if I understand the role correctly, they're generally looking at these people and saying, are they going to be able to come to court? Are they a flight risk? Right? That's the whole point. Right? And they're appointed positions... So there is some politics involved in it, but also they, they act as, uh, as a buffer sometimes, too, between the judges, because judges may, uh, even unwittingly or directly, sort of you know, indicate their preference for how they want magistrates to do their jobs, and magistrates become aware of that. But the magistrates can also say, well, look, judge, you, you know, if you want this person held, you can say that. You can do that, too. But something, Jennings is right, right? Something is wrong when you shoot at cops. And this just happened a couple of uh, weeks ago, right? Guy shot at cops and he, he got bonded out almost immediately. But if the question is, you know, the bond is there to make sure that they show up in court, which, you know, if they have a first appearance, then... Um, that should be happening very quickly. But this now also leads to questions about how fast can the courts operate? How fast can they get the person in front of the judge for first appearance? And then the judge can actually hold them. But then you got judges, particularly in blue counties like ours, you got judges that don't want to hold people because, you know, reform. So you can't put them in jail even though they shot cops because they're, what, beholden to the activist base of the Democrat Party. Jennings is correct. There is something wrong. News Talk 1110-993. WBT 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me go over here to James, who has been waiting patiently. Hello, James. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, um, I worked for the sheriff. 
And uh, I also worked with magistrates. Um, as far as our new sheriff is concerned, he ran on uh, not cooperating with ICE. Right. That's what I recall. He ran against the 287G program, and he would not honor federal detainers. Right. So, and that, as far as his involvement goes, that's a phone call. Right, and so for Becky Carney to be saying up in the legislature today, apparently, that uh, that the, the reason why they're not cooperating is because of staffing shortages, that's just not accurate. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's literally an attachment to the person's paperwork, and when they're getting ready to arrest them, the records officer picks up the phone and calls ICE. Right. Well, because obviously everybody that does that, they've they've screened in only racists and uh, xenophobes yeah. to uh, to do that phone call. Right. That's right. <laughs> uh, and you ask about first appearance. Yeah. First appearance is the first business day after your arrest. Right. So the question then is and so that could be obviously a weekend. Um, right. A weekend, so it would it would be Monday morning. Right, it would be Monday morning. So, you'd, so theoretically, if somebody were to get picked up on a Friday, they could be in jail for two days, two and a half days, whatever it would be. Uh, that would be the longest before their first appearance, right? So, uh, the, the magistrates that get these folks before them set the bonds. The bonds are only uh, to make sure they show up at the first appearance, right? Right, and the magistrates basically have at least now. When I retired, the magistrates had. Uh, a, ma- a minimum and a maximum that they could set right. for, depending on the charge and depending on the person's criminal history. Which they use then to determine if the person is likely or unlikely to show up in court, um, you know, based yeah. on their history, they got a record, whatever, they're more of a flight risk uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, if they, and if they get these ranges uh, for, for the bond amounts, but uh, I don't know. It seems to me like if you shoot a cop, uh, I, I kind of don't think you should be out on the street because that's sort of like a fundamental rejection of an ordered society. I would submit that you are a danger to the society, as is evidenced by the charge itself. Well, that and the fact that he would have been charged with multiple violent felonies and his bond should have been well over $100,000 to begin with. It was. He was released on a, hun- on a 170000 bond, so 10% of that would be seventeen grand. That's to avail bondsman. Right. Yeah, if you're going to pay cash, you got you got to pay the whole amount. Right, So, but, but he could get out for as low as 17000 Providing he can find a bail bondsman who trusts him to come to court. Right, well, apparently he did cause he, because he got out. That's, I mean, that's what the chief was so upset about. Well, hang on a second. He called the bond amount. He calls the bond amount. Yeah, he was arrested and charged. Offers name now released. Um, okay, so he's just, according to this piece of the Charlotte Observer, they're just saying that uh, it was over the bond amount, and it's not, it doesn't, it's unclear. Yeah, so it doesn't say if he was actually, um, if he was actually released on the bond, on the secured bond. 
Yeah, well, the the other side of the co- that coin is uh, the Charlotte Observer doesn't necessarily get anything right about people getting arrested. That is a fair point. <laughs> Thank you. That is a fair point, James. All right, buddy. Thank you for the call, sir. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, man. You too. Thanks for your insight. Um, got this uh, from Cindy on the Twitter machine. Pete, we do not have enough prosecutors for Mecklenburg County. We should have 110 based on the national standard for big city urban centers, and we only have 78. They can't do their job, so they get plea deals. The system is overwhelmed. State legislators need to increase budgets for prosecutors. Uh, Cindy, I would tend to agree with you. I uh, believe that uh, this is actually an issue that has been a problem for Charlotte and Mecklenburg uh, for 30 years now. I remember interviewing Peter Gilchrist about how underfunded the DA's office was, the judicial system is. Um, and here's the kicker, too. They make, a, they make a bunch of money on the fees. The court system is supposed to be self-sustaining. But for years, and I don't know if this still occurs, but for years, they were actually a net generator of revenue to the state. This was under Democrats. Yeah, yeah, they made a bunch of money for the for the state, and they would take the money and use it for other things. So I, like, I like dedicated revenue streams. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It's like you put this in the budget, and you say, here's this uh, funding source, and it's going to pay for the operations. For example, um, the, the stormwater fees. To me, that makes sense. And I understand people get mad at the way it's calculated and all of that, and it is a tax. I agree. But it's a dedicated revenue stream. I'm just using it as an example of the concept where you have the infrastructure that requires replacement and maintenance over time, right? So why not do a user fee attached to that system that maintains that system? And it makes it all nice and tidy. So this way you can't be, you know, using it like a slush fund. See Asheville. (laughs) <laughs> which is what they did with their water system for years. And they would try to use it. Uh, they weaponized their water system up there. And so when I got up there, actually, in 2012, they were in a big fight over the ownership of the water system. You probably saw some stuff. It went to the courts and all that. Um, they huge fight. I was there for the, the, the great water wars of the 20-teens. Uh, the, the Good times. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got a uh, tweet here from Tom who says, Pete, we can't give more money to Mecklenburg prosecutors because Governor Cooper is so determined to provide incentives for the solar power. That's... <laughs> uh, you would think the... Uh... Oh, you would think the Republican legislature would be interested in doing something like that but uh whatever i did so uh the other day i was talking about uh gun laws remember after the the passage of the federal uh this won't fix anything while fixing everything bill whatever that was called right the red flag law and all that joe biden signed it into off uh, signed it into law and when i was going over that uh or afterwards uh, i got a, a message from a local prosecutor and uh it, they covered a bunch of different areas. Um, 
But as it relates to this topic, and just for clarity, uh, the audio you heard earlier was from the Charlotte Mecklenburg police chief, Johnny Jennings. He has no power or control over the jail that's run by the sheriff, Gary McFadden. So, and McFadden is the one that refuses to cooperate with ICE and uses this lie that uh, apparently nobody has caught on to this yet, which is really weird. Uh, but the, the lie is that uh, if they, you know, if they give me a, a warrant, then I'll hold on to them. But of course, immigration is a civil matter. And so they don't issue those types of warrants like that for detention because that would be criminal. So, and, and McFadden knows that. Well, I mean, well, maybe he doesn't. He might be ignorant. It's possible. Anyway, um, a local prosecutor wrote me on the um, uh, wrote me on the the gun laws, but it, this is it, it touches on larger issues inside the uh, judicial system, but also on lax sentencing. Now, again, keep in mind that a judge does not set the bonds for, in this case, uh, Todrick. Todrick, sorry, Todrick McFadden of Charlotte, the man who was arrested and charged with shooting a cop in the leg up in Noda the other day. Uh, Todrick McFadden, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know if he's any relation to the sheriff. I don't believe so, but. Um, oh, yeah, so I'm sorry, it does say it. He was released on a $170,000 bond. So he either paid all cash for that which I'm wondering where do you get that kind of money? Or he got a bond from a bail bondsman, 10%, 17 grand. That's, I don't have 17,000. If I'm in jail on a $170,000 bond, uh, I'm in jail. I'm going to be hanging out there till first appearance. Um, so yeah, Charlotte Observer says he was released. Those are magistrates that do that. And magistrates are this weird kind of position, right, where they're appointed and they can be fired. Their their contract's not renewed. They, they can be dismissed by the court system. And, I yes, I've also heard about the chief judge uh, in Mecklenburg County. Um, anyway, let me, let me go back to this uh, 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 message from the prosecutor who wrote. And I'm not going to identify the person. They said, first, I think it's important in establishing responsibility for an arguably lax or unwarranted sentence to determine whether that sentence imposed was done so under a plea agreement in which there was a you know specific sentence spelled out with specificity or if it was imposed by the judge in the judge's discretion. And maybe that was then limited only by statutes. Right. So if you're complaining about the lax sentences, there are these different ideas of who's responsible for the lax sentence. The responsible party. Um, the wrong party, if you if you don't know who the responsible party is for the light sentence, then you may be focusing your outrage on the wrong party. Right. So if the judge just accepted a plea deal made by the prosecutor, then the responsible party would be the prosecutor, not the judge. It's true that a judge can reject a proposed sentence under a plea agreement, so he or she cannot totally escape some degree of responsibility. However, 
given the volume of cases and the fact that the prosecutor should know the strength and weaknesses of his or her case better than the judge, who knows very little about the intricacies of the facts of the case, it's hard for a judge to disregard the evaluation of the prosecutor that they used in order to craft this plea agreement, right? So the judge is deferring to the the DA because the DA knows the case and the judge doesn't. These are, are, there are cases where judges reject these plea agreements because they perceive them to be too light. That does happen, but not a lot. However, if the sentence is a result of the judge's philosophical bent towards sentencing in general or particular kinds of cases, then the responsibility is clearly that of the judge, right? If you have a judge who says, I'm not going to, uh, to give a harsh sentence to anybody who steals food, for example, because they're feeding their family, right? It, then that's on the judge. Um, a major problem, as I see it in the system, is the fact that the judges in the superior court are rotated among the various counties due to constitutional requirements. Judges from liberal counties or districts are sent to conservative districts and vice versa. The decisions of the judges with respect to sentencing may totally be unacceptable to the citizens of the county where they are holding court. But given the lack of media coverage of the courts, no one knows how cases are resolved unless a case is high profile. The counties from which they are elected really have little idea how its judges perform in cases. Were you aware of any of that? Later on, this local prosecutor says, the decision of the prosecutor to make a particular plea offer may be complicated and warranted. You know, on the other hand, it could be the result of a progressive mentality like we see in L.A., Philadelphia, San Francisco. Um, And if so, then yes, that should be brought to the public's attention. As it relates to the topic that we were discussing the other day about the new gun laws, and my position was we already have a lot of gun laws, but they're not being enforced. And he says, I appreciate your position, as I understand it, that new gun laws are not needed. We should just enforce the ones we have. I just think a little more context might be helpful to your listeners. The issues and problems in the court system are great. There are great judges, prosecutors, defense attorneys, and law enforcement officers in the system. There are some ones who fall short. There are some good laws and some stupid ones. Unfortunately, the system must function as it is. Um, Thanks again for what you do. The press as a whole totally neglects reporting on the courts as a, uh, on a regular basis. And as a result, people have no idea what is going on. Real life is not the Depp heard trial. That is so true. Um, this is why I think a lot of the, uh, the stuff that occurred in the summer of love with all of the uh, mostly peaceful uh, protesting that turned fiery on occasion Um, people don't have any idea how a lot of this stuff works. They don't have a lot of idea, a a, a very good idea of, of the data. They don't have a, they don't know, uh, you know, for example, like how many DAs do or assistant DAs do we have? How are the courts funded? What do the magistrates do? How are these things determined? What power does the state have? Right. They only become sort of aware of these problems or these issues uh, when some big newsworthy event happens. And then every it's sort of and also like after the 2020 election, where all of a sudden now people are like, wait a minute, they count ballots after election day? 
Yes, they do. That's, and, they, and they have for a very long time. That's been the mechanism for a very long time. So people become aware of these things because of the issues that make it into the news, which, by the way, is why I always say elections are about what media make them. Okay, just to bring it full circle. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so $170,000 for shooting a cop in Charlotte. That's your bond. Meanwhile, out in Los Angeles, which this is going to probably be a little surprising to you, $130,000 bond, so almost as much for domestic violence. Interesting. And not and no shooting. Yeah. It's just the sometimes the universe gives you these two stories and you just happen to read them in close proximity and you're like, oh, 130k for the bond. Oh. That's for Miles Bridges. Charlotte Hornets forward. He got arrested for felony domestic violence in Los Angeles yesterday. TMZ reported that Miles Bridges turned himself into authorities, and uh, it's all stemmed from an argument with a woman allegedly uh, that turned physical the day before. Uh, she reportedly required medical attention. The Los Angeles Times said that Bridges was released on a $130,000 bond, and he was scheduled to appear in court on July the 20th. Now, that's kind of, because yeah, that's one of the other things, too, about the bond system, which is if I'm rich, and you're poor, and we commit the exact same crime, and statutorily the magistrate has to apply a bond amount to us, we are going to get hit with the same bond amount. And I can afford it, and you cannot. Right? And the answer to that cannot be simply, don't be poor. I mean, you know, because, no, the, the, because I would say don't commit the crime, or don't get charged with the crime. Unless you know, wrongfully, you know, arrested or whatever. Okay, fine. But, you know, all things being equal, two people, one's rich, one's poor, and they both commit a crime. They both get arrested, and statutorily they have to get the same bond. So uh, there's a difference there. But I, I just thought that was interesting. For 170000 in Charlotte, cop shooter gets to walk. 130000 it's almost the same amount. It's uh, out in L.A. Oh, and speaking of, uh, see, and here's the thing, we don't know. if We don't know what the accusation, uh, whether they're true or not. We don't know. He was arrested. He turned himself in. He's got a court date. we got to let the system go. I'm not, a, I don't know. For example, like the charge could get dismissed. This happens a lot of times in the, particularly the domestic violence cases. For example, Charlotte City Councilman Braxton Winston, one of the, uh, the chief agitators during the summer of love, who was thusly rewarded with power. Um, in Charlotte, yes, city councilman, he is no longer facing an assault on a female charge. That, according to uh, the North Carolina Conference of District Attorneys, that confirmed it to WSOC-TV Channel 9's Joe Bruno. This was a couple of weeks, about two weeks ago. In January, a criminal summons was issued for uh, Braxton Winston on a misdemeanor assault and battery charge involved. Uh, involving a domestic violence incident. The charge was filed by Sheena Hopkins Winston, his estranged wife. That was the, uh, and that happened the day after she was released from jail. 
in connection with an alleged assault on Winston. Right, so she got arrested, went to jail, got out, and then had him arrested, which, by the way, that happens pretty frequently. You talk to magistrates, they're going to tell you that uh, usually the reaction when someone, you know, I want to go get a warrant out on somebody and then and they're successful in doing so, then that other person wants to take out a warrant on them too. That's often how it goes. Um, Hopkins Winston, so uh, his estranged wife, accused the councilman of punching her in the shoulder with a closed fist, repeatedly pushing her, and there should be an Oxford comma there, and trying to punch her in the face. Winston denied the allegation. The executive director of the North Carolina Conference of of DAs told Channel 9 there's no evidence that it occurred. Uh, Meanwhile, her misdemeanor assault charge remains active. Winston accused her of throwing an HDMI cable at him. I mean, that's serious. And this isn't, I mean, this isn't like just some Ethernet line. This is an HDMI cable. Oh, also punching him in the jaw multiple times with a closed fist and scratching him with her nails. Also, Mecklenburg County Superior Court Judge Casey Viser, who has been on leave from his duties for most of the year, has now resigned. This, according to Michael Gordon's piece at the Charlotte Observer, Senior Resident Superior Court Judge Carla Archie announced Viser's departure in a message to the courthouse where word of the judge's resignation has been circulating for days. Nobody knows why he has been missing for so long. And nobody knows why he is stepping away. He did not say. There are rumors. I am aware. I am not going to divulge. Because that's not what I do. Visor, one of the county's two Republicans on the Superior Court, was elected to an eight-year term in 2020, boosted by the creation of a South Mech district that was majority GOP. But he stepped away from the bench without explanation months ago. Courthouse officials declined to say why. According to people familiar with the process, he submitted a letter of resignation in early June, and now Governor Cooper gets to pick a replacement. So the, like the one Republican district for judges is going to get a Democrat judge in it. Isn't that perfect? All right, stick around. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.